Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and tonight I'm excited to bring you our very first candlelit edition of Book Faces Live, uh, bringing uh, Ernie Dempsey back to the show. Welcome back to the show, Ernie. Can you hear me? Hello, thanks for having me in this no power edition. <laughs> so yeah, you should probably explain to, to the viewers that um, why we have candlelight flickering. It's not just for the romantic atmosphere, um, but also, you know, for your current circumstances in, in Tennessee. Can you explain what's going on up there? Yeah, so Easter Sunday, we had a bunch of uh, storms come through here in southeastern Tennessee, and uh tornado went right over our house. Like, we caught the outer edge. It went, like, right over our house and touched down about a mile and a half away. And so it knocked out a bunch of power. We we were out of power for like five days, came back on Friday, but apparently they're doing some additional repairs tonight, and it went off about 30 minutes ago. Yeah, perfect <laughs> And so, uh, yeah. They so probably, we got candles, and my phone's got its light on over here, and yeah. trying to run through the hot spot, so. They probably figured, you know, it's 9 o'clock at night. No one, you know, is going to be doing anything of consequence, which is, you know, Fairly accurate, just, you know, us drinking live on the internet, so, you know, nothing of majorly importance here, but um, adds, adds an extra <laughs> level of challenge to the, to the process. Yes. But I appreciate you um, taking time to come on the show. I know today's a, a big day for you. It is the five-year anniversary of you being a parent, so congratulations yeah. for uh, surviving five years as a dad today. Thank you. And, uh, happy birthday to, to Arden. Um, so how, how uh, any reflections now on, on, oh, on five years of dad life? Well, it's, I heard somebody say this, and it's uh, it's definitely true. They said uh, the days are long and, and the years are short. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's for, I'm sure you feel that too. Like every day feels never ending and exhausting. And then before you know it, you're at like two years and then four mm -hmm. and now here five and it's, it's uh yeah it's sad because you miss the cute you know the cute little child and then yeah. this but it's also got some you know you can interact with them more and more and more and then and then they hate you eventually <laughs> is what is what I hear so let's let's hope uh, not. Um, yeah. yeah I'm a couple I'm a few years behind you I'm only at the two year mark but I can already mm. relate for sure and uh, well when when you get out of the diaper phase that's a huge win yeah. That's a really, really big win. I've still got a couple more years to go because even though my first is almost out, our second's on the way. So yeah, I know that's right. I, I if I'm lucky, I might get a month or two of no diapers. Mm -hmm. Maybe not even. I think we're probably just going to go straight into smaller. Diapers. Yeah. So, yeah, you just. Well, that's all right. Just go full bore and get it over with. Unless you're going to have like six more, like right. Ben Hale, and then. Uh, <laughs> Just might as well get Pampers or Huggies stock at that point. Yeah. Well, at least Ben has the, the memory to at least remember all the kids' names. You know, like he can remember a room <laughs> full of like 250 people's names. Um, he's proven himself capable. So he can handle That's his kids. real secret. That's his real <laughs> secret power is that it, it's because he has all those kids. And so it just translates. Yeah. If he can remember them, he can remember everybody else. Yeah. I think that's, that's we'll probably cracked the code right there. Um, James Rizone is watching. He says, I'm seven years into diapers right now, so I don't, uh, don't envy that. 
see James is watching. I see Amanda. Amanda Bird is watching. Um, hey guys, good to see you. Um, Hello. Oh, yeah. she's a neighbor. She knows what she was without power. She just moved up here. Oh, really? I, yeah, I think. I yeah, think it went right, went right by her too. Oh, like gosh. the tornado just missed their neighborhood. Yeah, it seems like it was. It was a bad one. What level was it? Level four. It was an F three, but F three. I'm not sure if it was pushing four. We had an F four, uh, an F four, nine years ago. It was really bad. Well, a lot worse in terms of casualties. Yeah. So. Yeah. This well, mostly mostly physical damage. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are safe. And. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wish you best best of luck with the rest of the storms. Yeah, we are so. Yeah, man, we were very fortunate. So. Yeah. So once the summer heat gets here, we'll be all right. Yeah. We uh, have have hurricane season to look forward to down here, but at least we get a lot more warning than, than you do in the uh, tornado zone. So, yeah, you can see it on the radar. You're like, oh, hey, let's let's move away from that giant swirling thing over yeah. the Gulf. Yeah. And usually the spaghetti model is, you know, you really have no idea until three days out anyway, but then, <laughs> then you just make a, make a split-second exactly. decision and try to run. Um, but yeah, right. I'm hoping, and this has been a, one of the reasons I'm, I'm happy to be able to talk to you on the show tonight is because tonight has been, or this year has been such a, a bad year for authors getting together, like conferences, um, like who knows what we're getting mm. this year, fingers crossed, maybe we can still manage to pull that one off in September. But, um, yeah. you know, you and I have gotten to hang out at, at several conferences in the past and, um, you're, you're a very well-liked character in the author community. <laughs> Um, today when I posted up, I probably have more pre-show comments than, than anyone else uh, when I posted up your, your picture today. Oh, that's and, uh, cool. A lot of people saying hi and, and happy to that you're going to be on the show. Um, oh, cool. Were you always a gregarious like person before you became a writer? Like, Do you feel like your personality has always been this way? Gregarious? Well, I mean, like, for You're example, using some fancy words. <laughs> I just, I'm simple to... I'm simple Tennessee folk here, Nathan. I know I write books, so you 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 must assume I have a, a an enormous vocabulary. But uh, do, what do you mean? Like, do you mean like well, I'm I'm uh, friendly? Or? Well, for example, when I walk into a conference, or if I'm at one of the, an author get together of some kind, and I think, oh, Ernie's here, that's going to be a good time. You know, like you, if I see you, if I see Caro, Eugene, <laughs> if I see, there's a couple of faces that if I see, if I walk yeah. in a room and I see these faces, I'm like, all right, I'm in the right place. This is going to be a good time. Have it, has it always been like that? That's your question? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I try, because, um, you know, a lot of people say they're, in our, in our business, they'll say, when somebody asks what they do, they'll say, I'm a writer. And for me, I've always said uh, I'm an entertainer, mm. right? Or I'm a storyteller, but I, I'm an entertainer. And uh, and so I, my my joy in life comes from making sure people are entertained, whether that's through stories or music or cracking jokes or whatever. I, I want people to be entertained. And if they're if they're not entertained, then uh, yeah, then I have failed my life's mission. Well, I, I watched you uh, steal a paddle boat and uh, paddle around a, a river being chased by hotel security one time, and I was highly entertained, personally. I totally forgot about <laughs> I was actually thinking about that a few nights ago, and my gut twisted. I was like, oh, I still can't believe I did that. 
but people uh, were entertained. I mean, there was people on the bridges with their phones videotaping it. And yeah. let's clarify for the audience: we didn't steal anything. We we it wasn't locked down. We had nowhere we were going to take it except around the canal. We weren't, mm-hmm. so we borrowed it with no intention of keeping it permanently. Yeah, that's that's fair. Was it Dave Chesson in there with you? Is that who who else was in no, my, my buddy Greg, the, the captain, oh, Greg right. Peters. Okay. Yeah. Dave Dave was probably just cheering you on from the sidelines with the rest of us. He was. Yeah. Yeah. No. But yeah, highly entertaining. What's well, good that you you know your brand and you are entertaining. You you're highly successful uh, adventure fiction, you know, archaeological thriller writer. Um do you feel like you've found your your niche in this like this genre really suits you personality wise and as far as like your brand and how do you feel like you've settled into it at this point yeah i really enjoy it i mean i i've uh I, my you know my favorite movies growing up i've said this a bunch of times but my favorite movies were the goonies and indiana jones and mm-hmm. those kind of stories really appealed to me and and i to, i i can't remember if i said this the last time i was on your show but i I remember when I was a kid, and this was in the mid-80s, probably like 86, 87, and um, I was like maybe 11 years old, and I uh, had this neighbor who was younger than me, and I, the first story I ever wrote, wrote wasn't a story, it was a treasure map, and I took this notebook paper with blue lines and all, and and I drew this treasure map and then I crumpled it up and I took a cigarette lighter because I was a pyromaniac, I guess, right. like yeah, some boys are. Yeah. You know, boys are like that sometimes. And I burned the edges and, and I crumpled it up and hid it in this pile of old logs next to our house. And I told yeah. our, our, our neighbor kid, whose name was Nathan, by the way, I said, uh, hey, you got to come find this. I think, I, I think there's something in here. And you know, this kid's yeah. just kind of like, what are you talking about? And then, of course, he saw right through it. But, like, he, you know, he pulls this log out and there's this treasure map. And I'm like, I think it's in our yard. And I had buried, like, this little maybe, like, metal lunchbox or something yeah. uh, in, in the yard. And uh, we had to take, like, 20 paces here and 30 paces there. And yeah. so that sort of stuff, Always, I always loved it. And... Um, and just the, just the the like the fast pace nature of it, and the the swashbuckling nature of it, you know, yeah. like it, I really like that. I I like you know I like pirate stories a lot too, but at at their core, pirates are terrible people. So I don't I don't I try not to get too into those. I love the the pirates of the Caribbean movies, but but treasure stories are are always going to be fun to me, and. Um, I think so, yeah. there's a shortage of people who are willing to go out and bury treasure these days. And uh, it's something that I think is a, a real problem for the next generation. Yes. Is that well, I was... They're all waiting for treasure and, and, you know, there's a shortage of people burying it. Yeah, but there's, there's still a lot. There's still a lot out there. I remember reading this and, and that, that fascination um, came about too. It was fostered with some books that my granddad had. Um, he had a book, uh, a really old book about um, ancient mysteries or mysteries of the ancient world. And um, he had a book. Uh, it was a really thick book about all these treasures that had never been found. And I have not been able to locate that book. It, it might be at my parents' house. I don't know. But it, 
there was stuff from you know really really old things to like uh, that had buried something outside of a town and yeah. uh, so I was always really interested in that stuff and yeah. I almost went and I almost convinced my wife to let me go look for Forest Fens treasure when we were out in the Northwest uh, two years ago, but yeah. it was too far out of the way where we thought we needed to go. So, I've actually been slowly burying things around the country. Um, as mm. I grew up, I, I, throughout my life, I've been slowly burying things and creating a, a scavenger hunt for like my future grandkids is my idea, so that when I'm old and I die, I can like will this treasure map or this series of clues to people. Whoever, I'm assuming I got, that my kids will have kids. If not, then this is going to be up for grabs. If it turns out that um, no one is around to, to solve this mystery, but I've been, as, you know, periodically, when you do it at a slow pace like that, you can just do it, you know, every few years, bury something, or, you know, build a clue. It's not a, a fast-paced adventure yet. I'm hoping yeah. that when it actually, you know, my grandkids, you know, get this thing from me, they'll be able to go back and go adventure all these places and find stuff. Hopefully they'll all still be there. It's very difficult to find places to bury things that you think will still be there and available in 70 years. Yeah, that's why you have to use historical landmarks, right? Yeah. Like places that you know are not gonna, you know, not gonna get disturbed. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, they're gonna, you gotta find protected places. National treasure, so, basically. Exactly, yeah. took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've uh, I have been dealing with that a little bit. Yeah, although it's it's tough to get access to some of those really legit places, it's hard to write you know things on the back of the Declaration of Independence that they don't really let you in there real easy. Um, mm. So I've had to make do with other um, national treasures that were slightly more accessible. But yeah, 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 it's it can be tricky with uh, with some of those higher level things like you know the White House. For example, like trying to trying to hide something there, can, it's hard to get it in there through the security. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's really hard to to assume that your grandkids are going to be able to get in there too, or whoever else you're oh. playing this treasure hunt for. Hold Where on, there four four black Chevy Tahoes just pulled up <laughs> in front of my house. I think they think that I actually tried to do that. <laughs> if you get hauled away, you know it's it's fine. It, it's been a good episode so far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Me getting so we'll have candlelight and a, a first, first arrest yeah. by federal agents. That cool, would be great. If, yeah, if you got arrested on the show live, that'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, we'll see if we can pull that off at some point. <laughs> the ratings be through the roof. <laughs> um, so I do have your your cover up. Speaking of your um, your writing and, and adventure stories, I've got out of the fire. <laughs> Um, the relic runner. This this is a kind of a, a departure for you. Is it, this is not your um, main series, or it is? It's uh, Sean Wyatt still or not? It's 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 not the main series, and it's not Sean Wyatt universe canon. So uh, it's but there is crossover. So if you read uh, which book was the if you read uh, Paranormal Archaeology Division book one, you know that that Dak appears there. What this story, this series is, these are six short stories that I'm pushing out right now. And um, Dakar, it's five years ago. So he was stabbed in the back basically by his Delta Force team in Iraq when they all found this treasure hoard. 
and they left him for dead. And so the story ensues there with book one out of the fire. And I, I wrote that as an experiment and uh, to see if my audience would like this new character, like this new you know format or whatever. And uh, I, I gave it to my whole uh, newsletter for free. And uh, it's it's done really well. It's it's you know like ninety nine cents on Amazon, but it's it's doing really really it's it's been doing well since December. And it's funny because I um, I didn't try to sell it. You know, I just wanted to to give give them something new to look at, and if they liked it, then I would write more of them. And so um, that's that's what I've been doing. So this this you think it's been series of, of six primarily. That's been I have no idea. I mean, I'm not doing a bunch of advertising to it, uh, a little here and there, but yeah, I don't know what, what it is. It's, it's strange, but I think, um, I, I don't, I mean, I have, I have higher level philosophical views on things like that uh, to like a spiritual level that I won't get into, yeah. but, um, about giving, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think people really like the character. And I think that the other thing, too, is um, I'm never real. I don't I don't know a lot of writers that are super confident in their craft. But I feel like with this little series, I'm hitting a lot of the right strides. Mm. And I think that and that's the feedback I've been getting. And this this series is a prequel to more Dak Harper stories later on. And that'll um, be bigger books, probably. And uh, and so there's not a whole lot of the treasure hunting stuff yet. It was kicked off by one in the first book, but the next five are about his revenge. It's a revenge story. Okay. And and so then it leads up to you know this was five years ago. It leads up to the present where he works for uh, this young boy who's based in Chattanooga who made a fortune playing video games online and doing live streams. And has a has a deep interest in in artifacts and history, and so Dak uh, becomes his relic runner. He is the one that he goes out into the world searching for these artifacts, and along the way, he helps people in need who who are in trouble or whatever along the way while he's searching for these these artifacts. And What's so, the definition of a relic uh, runner? but this is the intro series, and I'm currently. It's Dak Harper. I mean, this is what this is. He, this is just a prequel to it. And, and the Relic Runner is basically he's the guy that uh, that goes out and, and finds um, hard-to-get artifacts on the black market or maybe he hunts them down with clues or whatever. So there's going to be a, a different pattern and a different formula to those future stories. But this is just the setup of who he is and how he gets to that point. And, uh, and during the during the when the coronavirus started spreading and, and people started locking down, I thought, you know, I'm working on this book. I just finished Sean Wyatt 19. Uh, it's called The Second Sign. And I was like, I think I'm going to put this out for free chapter by chapter for everybody. So that's what I'm doing with this Relic Runner prequel series is I'm putting out a chapter a day on my website. And uh, I'm leaving all the books up for free until book six is done or in Till the you know the virus eases or whatever, because uh, people need something to look forward to every day, yeah. and they need a distraction even for a few minutes. And I, it's been crazy. Like people have emailed me and said, when I get when I get that little thing that pops up on Facebook that you posted the link, or 
when I get your email on Friday, because I'll send out the email on Friday saying, hey, five more chapters are posted now. Um, people are really looking forward to that. And, um, yeah. and, and it's, it's good to hear. It's really good to hear. And the feedback's been really, really strong. So I'm going to keep doing it like that until the series, the six books are done. And, and then uh, eventually I'll publish them on Amazon and, and all that and do a box set. And, what format do you yeah, post the been, chapters in so that people can read as they go? They're on they're on my Squarespace website. So okay. format, uh, they're just on they're just in the blog section. Yeah. So there's nothing else in the blog right now. That's all that's there. And uh, like if you somebody asked me, they said, well, "Where's book two? I tried to find it." You just scroll down and click older, and that takes you back to the older posts. Okay. So yeah, that's interesting. There's a bunch of them now. <laughs> Has that changed your uh, writing style at all? Seeing feedback as you go. I know I've done something similar to that before, and I still do that to some extent now. Um, but how has that changed your writing experience? Give it hasn't time. because, you know, uh, everything I do is amazing. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no uh, it, it's, it hasn't really changed it. Uh, what, it's, what it's given me permission to do is, is not plot very much, not outline very much. So I have a general outline that I'm working from in an Evernote note, uh, notebook. And, uh, that was, and that's pretty much it. I just have all the characters there, sort of their, their sketches and all that. But, you know, like I, I'm done with book three now and I'll be dripping those chapters out over the next few days, but I haven't decided what book four is going to be called. Like the title I haven't decided on, like, Book three is Tequila Sunset, and I was just like, "That's surely that title's been taken." Not that you can't use a taken title; right. everybody has crossover titles, but uh, and everybody knows Tequila Sunrise, the movie. Yeah. So I was like, "Yeah, is there a Tequila Sunset?" No, there is not. Oh, okay, nice. great. And it takes place in Mexico, and there's cartels and all that. So, uh, yeah, I haven't decided on the title for book four, and I've got to do that because I'll be posting that starting next week those chapters so it's 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 very fluid and uh but it i like it and i like the short story serial format a lot like i really enjoy it uh probably because i'm, I'm a feedback oriented guy and i like to well most a lot of us like to get feedback so but when you're finishing something every day it feels it feels extra extra good so there's nothing quite as thrilling as having you know publish something actually put it out there and getting that feedback. It's one of those interesting, I mean, I'm mm. sure that different writers have a different take on it. In some ways it can be nerve wracking. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, putting this out to the world, especially if it's your first product and you don't know what people are going to think of it. Um, but when you develop a sort of a following who at least you have some confidence in your ability to put out a good story and you just keep putting it out there, it is a good uh, feeling that people like your work and obviously be able to do that yeah. more often is great. Yeah. And my, yeah, and my readers have been cool. They, I told them, I'm like, look, these are minimally edited. Like, these are barely edited. My editor, Anne, is helping out. But, you know, she's human, and I'm human, and we're missing stuff. And my readers are sending me the typos, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'll, get, I'll, I'll circle back to that when it's time to publish it, and yeah. I'll fix them. And so somebody just sent me something earlier yeah. about that. So Yeah, which is the great thing about being an indie and being the publisher in addition to being the author is that we have full control. We don't have to do a 5,000 right. book print run. Your Matt Typo is just in there for 5,000 no. books. 
like we the next book that someone orders after we fix it <laughs> is fixed and that's just the brilliance of the print, right. print on demand model and you know i've got a book up for pre-order right now like a, a novella and i've changed the manuscript you know five times this week because of feedback i've gotten from beta readers like oh yeah and by the way right. there's a double period over here and like that little double i know that that little double period will ruin the book for me like the fact that that's in there and i know it's in there is enough for me to like oh i gotta go fix it so um yeah we live in an amazing yeah. time where we can just fix it and uh it, it does kind of release some of the um the fear of having something go out that's not completely perfect because you can you can change it later, which is nice. Um, we've got a couple of yeah. In my reader school, they don't usually complain too much about that stuff. They're they're and usually it's pretty clean when I put it out yeah. when I put something out. But I have really 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 kind people that read my stories. So yeah. Sorry, you interrupted you. No, Go there's on. a little bit of a delay. It's your show. I think there's a little bit of a delay just because of the uh, the uh, distance slash. Uh, going over the hot spot, I think, into, into the darkness of the early Dempsey Yeah, house. sorry. Um, but I was I was saying that I know we got a couple people watching who are uh, relatively new writers. Um, what are some things that mm -hmm. you think are really relevant now? Like if you were starting over now, um, any advice you would give yourself um, if you had to do this over again, starting fresh? Any any big tips you think that are that you've learned along the way? That's a big question. It's a really good question. Yeah, that's that's the biggest question. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so no problem. Just putting you on the spot. You know, I know how it is. I, I'm yeah, to no, it's you. okay. Uh, I I have thought about it actually. That question. Uh, so it's. If I had to start over again, right right now, with a, with a brand new name, I would still write the same genre. I would still I would write the stories that I, I want to write. But one thing I would tell new new writers is read read as much as you can. That's going to be cliche. And then there's another thing I would tell them: watch as many television series, like well done television series, as you can on whether it's Netflix or NBC or or whatever, or movies. Watch plenty of movies, and this sounds really strange, but um, when you're watching them, pay attention to the storytelling. Pay attention to the ebb and flow, and pay attention to, um, to how the plot lays out. Pay attention to the points in time where the, in the movie where the climaxes happen, how the, the three-act play takes place, mm -hmm. leading up to the big final moment. And when you start paying closer attention to those things, this is what I've noticed. Your writing shines through. It, it reflects that. And it will be much stronger. And then the other thing I would tell somebody just starting out is, I see this all the time, uh, it, it, don't, start your, don't start your stories with the description of something. Start your, if you're starting your story with a, a prologue with a description, that's one thing. But chapter one needs to force the reader to ask a question or wonder what, like, well, just wonder what what's going on, right? Or it has to lead them into the next sentence, and the next sentence has to carry them into the next paragraph. Mm -hmm. And when you start off your 
when you start off your story with the candles were burning on the table, that's not interesting, mm-hmm. right? But if you, like, my, my greatest first line, I think, was Sean Wyatt was dead and he knew it. Yeah. Like, why, why, why is Sean Wyatt dead? What's going to happen to him? So you have to grab attention right away. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I've done well is that when somebody looks at that look inside, I know we're short on time, but when they look at that look inside on the sales page of the book, they see that first line and they're immediately curious as to what's going on and they want to know more. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on those two things, that'll really help and just stay consistent. You have to, you have, it's look, it's a job, right? Like it's, it is a job. And it's, it's just like any other job, except that we imagine things and are, you know, telling lies, and which sounds terrible, but we're telling about things that didn't happen in places and, and people that, that don't exist or may exist, but the events didn't happen. And so it, it is a little different in that regard, but in the end, you, it, it is work and you have to sit down and dedicate yourself a little bit of time every day. Mm-hmm. And I take Saturdays off and, and you know, you should take a day off where you don't do anything so you can recharge. But that would be my advice. Yeah. Those three things. No, that's fantastic. That's really good advice. I, I like what you said about watching a lot of TV and movies and, and reading a lot of books. I, I know that I struggled with the midpoint of stories. So I've been deliberately pausing mm-hmm. or stopping movies mm-hmm. at the middle and seeing what the middle looks like. And now yeah. I've gotten to the point where I can be watching a movie and be like, I bet this is the middle. And I'll pause it. And it's just dead center from beginning to end like you can just yep. you can tell in a two-hour film right where the one-hour point is because of the action the way that the structure is built um you understand where act two is yep. you understand where the climax is like you when you have a fundamental understanding of story structure you start to see it everywhere and uh, i think that's excellent, oh. excellent advice and of course the power just came back on at the end of your i mean what <laughs> I mean, I'm not cutting you off. It's your show. I'm just saying. I, amazing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we have, we have uh, You're so right. Yeah. And um, it's interesting you say that about the middle. It is, I look at it like the eye of the, the hurricane, right? Like the eye of the storm that's coming through. And, and there's a lot of, there's some things happening, but it's not as intense as the beginning or the end. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and usually something changes. And there are something, lots of questions. Something dramatic usually changes at right at the midpoint. Yeah. Will, because the first part of Act Two is usually the fun and games portion where like things are usually going well or we're having a good time. And then all of a sudden, something, you know, something drops. And now we're like, oh, yep. this changes everything. And um, That's I, right. I think I missed that for a lot of. Uh, years trying to figure out what the middle was supposed to be that something changes moment yeah and um and it's one of those things i think that just as a as a writer you evolve to appreciate different elements of story over time um yeah but yeah i thought I th- I th- that was excellent advice and um cool yeah so i think like, people will, will enjoy that but um if people want to find out more information about you, hang out with you online, things like that, where's the best place for people to come come find you? Honestly, I do. I'm, I've been super active on Facebook. So uh, especially this year, I wanted to dedicate a lot more time to doing videos with fans and interacting with fans. And so uh, I'm pretty active on there. Uh, Facebook.com slash Ernest Dempsey and you, know, you could go to my website at ernestmc.net and 
check out what's going on over there. It's it's only updated when I put out a new book or like what I'm doing right now with the blog and putting out the free chapters. But uh, those are the two primary places. I, I was doing a little bit with Instagram, but I've got to reevaluate what's going on over there. And but that's that's it. I, I do try to engage a lot on Facebook. Uh, during the during the pandemic, I have done more videos, but I haven't individually responded as much or an email either. I'm behind on that just because I'm trying to make sure I get these chapters to the readers every day. And so yeah. I'm spending more time really trying to get that out for them so they have something to read instead of answering emails. But yeah. I think they understand. Yeah. I think that's a, a fantastic choice. I mean, uh, we all have to do a little bit of something extra. Um, that's I know, right. I know you give a lot. I know you're a generous guy and you are you know, involved with your community and everything, but uh, that's one more way for you to give back, and I, I'm sure your readers really appreciate it. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show tonight and hang out and have a drink with me. Um, this is one of my favorite things to do, and you're one of my favorite people, so... I know you're one of my favorite people. That's what I was telling Emman uh, the other night, Sean Emman. I was telling him that. He's Sean's a great you guy. Guys, you guys are you guys are saints in my book. Well, so. that's something something to to try to achieve anyway. Well, I don't know about yeah. saints, but we're gonna. I don't see your saint uh, where your necklace is there. Like it's uh, hiding out. It's hiding out down here. There you go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I really appreciate you you coming on the show. It's always a good time seeing you. Always a good time hanging out. So. I would love, of course, love to have I, you back I, on again. I hope I can get to a five times so that I can be like the Saturday Night Live Five Timers Club. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a valuable goal. I think that that's good. And uh, we're almost halfway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were one of my early guests. You were one of the ones before I even was using Skype. I think we were just on the phone the very first time you came on. So, Something like that. Yeah. Veteran book faces live, and now of course you are very first candlelight power outage episode so you know you, you'll go down in the history books of course so yes yeah yeah thank you everyone uh for watching and for listening of course you know go, go check out ErnestDempsey.net and uh, and hang out with ernie on, on facebook and then we'll see y'all again uh next week for another great episode janelle says thank you guys sorry right. thank you everyone for watching and listening and we'll, we'll see you again soon so long <laughs>